Hi, this is Lisa Jane Persky, Dirty D from Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, and podcasts don't hurt nobody unless they want to. All right, Kiss Army. You wanted the best, you got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcasting. Hello and welcome to your podcast. This is Gary Schaller. And this is James Hager. And I'm Ken Mills. And tonight we go to the movies with the hottest band in the land. We're going to be talking about three films, uh, two of which actually feature Kiss in them. The other one uh, features them as a prominent plot point, and we'll get to that later. But first, what discussion of Kiss going to the movies uh, could you possibly have? Without starting out with this. We don't work with a second act, Devereaux. Besides, Armageddon is a lame group. Fans of Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park will identify that as Rip and Destroy, a reworking of Hotter Than Hell, which is used in the movie Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, or as it's otherwise known, Kiss in Attack of the Phantoms. That's actually a movie that a lot of people find pretty entertaining when they watch it, especially people who aren't Kiss fans. James, you had this experience, right? Yes. uh, When I first saw the movie, it was about three years ago, and I got into some bootleg trading, and I received... Kiss Meets the Fan of the Park in a trade. It hadn't been officially released. Uh, I do not, do not, do not uh, endorse trading of official materials, just for the record. But I'd received this and uh, went to a friend's house, uh, picked up a, a case of beer, and uh, we, we dominated said case of beer and watched Kiss Meets the Fan. And we have never, none of, I had never seen it at that point. And we none had ever laughed as hard as we did watching that movie. What was it in particular that got people laughing? Well, it's kind of we get, we like these movies anyway. We rent like the worst horror movies ever just to see the terrible acting or the terrible um, the terrible special effects. So when you see stuff like uh, Paul walking down the, the staircase in the air at the beginning, you know, <laughs> or his feet are nowhere near right. what he's walking on, you know. Or, you know, just stuff like, you know... Gene's brother was an only child. Easy, Catman. They are serious. And they've got guns. To this day, they'll still come at me with that line. And, yeah, there's uh, a lot of great lines in the movie that uh, friends of mine who've seen it have laughed at. As a matter of fact, this past Halloween, uh, we had people over and we... Uh, and none of them were actually KISS fans except me. But um, we had a bunch of people over and we did like a KISS meets the Phantom Halloween party. And came up with a Kiss Meets the Phantom drinking game, and I just want to read some of these to you. 
Um, drink whenever Kiss is shamelessly plugged by someone other than a member of Kiss. We've got the rise, the attractions, and we've got Kiss. That opening concert tonight is going to put us on the map once and for all, Sneed. Drink whenever the background music sounds like a porn flick. <laughs> You're drunk already. Right. Drink whenever a member of KISS looks like they don't want to be there. Good question, Catman. What do you compute, Space Ace? Insufficient data at the moment, Star Child. <laughs> <laughs> Drink whenever Ace's black stunt double appears. Drink whenever the generation gap is blatantly emphasized. <laughs> it's an amusement park. Look, all they come to see are their heroes. Get with it, Sneed. They even gave themselves a name. They call themselves the Kiss Army. <laughs> and, and drink whenever a member of Kiss does something superhuman other than just being a member of Kiss. One thing that always sticks out to me when I watch Kiss Meets the Phantom is really how bad the stunt doubles were. Oh, I my mean, God. You could, you can immediately spot when that's not like the one time in particular I can always I like to sit and watch and see when I can pick them out is when Gene or I guess it's the robot Gene is you know beating the cops up and destroying the concession stand you know it one minute it's Gene the next minute it's obviously not Gene right or you know? even at the the fight at the end when they're like battling themselves there's scenes there are moments in that fight where it's su- where you're supposed to know that you're looking at the real guy, but mm-hmm. they use the stunt double. It's just ridiculous. You end up with the stunt double fighting the stunt double sometimes. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but it's such an enjoyable movie, though, in spite of itself. I want to just go around and talk about the first time we saw it. Uh, Ken, you most likely saw it first, so what was it like? Well, um... It was the most anticipated thing of that week for sure, and uh, I remember yelling at my stepfather to be quiet as he got ready for work. He would, uh, out the corner of his mouth, say things like long-haired freaks and things like that, you know, and uh, I was actually taping it with a cassette recorder, and I actually took a couple pictures with the camera. Uh, because I wanted to capture this historic moment, of course. And if you listen to the tape, if you could find it today, you'd actually hear me telling my family to shut up and be quiet. (laughs) (laughs) And the whole family gathered around, because it was a big thing. Uh, Slowly, my aunt kind of backed out of the room after the first 15 minutes, then my mom, (laughs) and then my little sisters left, and my brother tried to hang through the whole thing. I think he was almost made it all the way through. There were points in that movie when I wanted to kind of sink into the carpet, but we made it through, you know, and then I listened to it like the next day like three times in its entirety on cassette. Wow. And um, going to school Monday, first thing out of somebody's mouth, did you see that movie? It sucked. <laughs> so so kids didn't like it? Mm, well, kids loved it. Teens, not right. so much. Yeah. Uh, it was like, um, it, was, it was one of those moments, like for example... There's 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 turning moments in Kiss culture, if you will. Kiss on Midnight Special, Kiss on Paul Lind, right, and uh, things like that. Uh, then there was Kiss Meets the Fan of the Park. That was definitely a turn. The Dynasty album coming out, another turn, uh, and it just seemed like from 
from uh, Phantom of the Park on, things were sliding and fast. Yeah, it was always a movie that I wanted to see and uh, was always very curious about why you couldn't see it. Like, why was it not available? Because I, I became a KISS fan in 81, and one of the first things that I got as a KISS fan was this book, this great book called Headliners Kiss. Um, Excellent book. Is it by, who's it, Swanson? Uh, is it Robert Duncan? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, great book. This little, uh, for those who don't know, it's just, look it up. It's a great book. It's a little um, paperback book with great photographs, just terrific black and white and color photographs that I have never seen anywhere else uh, from the Hotter Than Hell era and the um, and the Destroyer era. And um, they talk a lot about Kiss, and they talk, they talk at various points about this movie, not in great detail because it had just come out, but the book is from the Love Gun Alive 2 era. And I was really curious about this movie, but I missed it on its first broadcast. I went to a comic convention, must have been about 1983, and there was a guy at a booth who was selling um, slides of stills from movies. And I bought a few slides of images from Phantom of the Park. That was the closest I could get, like you with the Polaroids. But I bought an image of Kiss being held hostage by Abner Devereaux, and I was like, man, what is this? This is really cool. About a year or two later, they showed it on, they rebroadcast it on TV. It was like 84, 85, 86. And I ran to the TV. I caught it right on time and slammed a, a video cassette in there. Just hit record. I love it. I mean, I knew when I was watching it because I was about ten, eleven when it when I when I got to see it finally. I knew it was, you know, I knew what it was. But it's it's so near and dear to my heart. It absolutely is one of my favorite movies. The uh, movie did run quite a bit uh, in the early '80s. Really? Yeah. Um. I I live in the area where Cleveland or Youngstown were the two biggest markets uh, to watch television out of. And on WFMJ Channel 21, every Sunday night, I'm not kidding, for like three nights a month, they would show Kiss Meets the Phantom. Wow. (laughs) And it was strange because every time the announcer, and it was the standard block... uh, NBC announcer that they that they had from when the movie actually aired, and and here's how it would happen: it would go like, um, "Kiss meets the Phantom," starring Anthony Zerb and Ace Fraley, and then the, and then the next commercial would come back, starring Anthony Zerb and the guy who played the park owner and Gene Simmons. But for some reason, when it aired in these weird Sunday night programs, it was always starring Anthony Zerb and Peter Chris, And that is the only intro that they ever used. It was always, and Peter Chris. You know, it was, it was nobody else starred in the, right. <laughs> in the movie, you know. Yeah, they picked the, the one, one guy who, did, who didn't have his voice in the film. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. And then later, uh, CBS got a hold of it somehow. Hmm. And they would really? show it. Like about two times a year. This is kind of around the lick it up, uh, right, right time. Right. And um, it was strange because they had a slightly different cut of the movie, and it was just it was kind of like things were sped up. Weird. Like uh, like for example, let's say Abner's walking through the laboratory talking to his robots. There would be like music cut out, 
It'd just be clip clip. It was Weird. Like, kind of like cut up so they could throw a couple more commercials in there. I can't imagine why anyone would want to take out a single moment of that precious film. Commerce. <laughs> yeah. And there was also a magazine that came out about two weeks before the movie aired. I know, I know. I want to get my hands on that at some point. I have it. I, I still have it from back in the day. I had two of them. One I cut up for a scrapbook and the, the other one. And uh, I've seen those things that go for a pretty penny on eBay nowadays. But uh, it was an excellent magazine, and you just thought this was going to be, like, bigger than Star Wars. Right. Yeah. Did you think? I mean, what did you, what did you think it was going to be? Well, it's kind of like uh, people were talking about Sonic Boom, you know, like people have already made up their minds. No, it's not that I've made up my mind. I have hopes. You know, as a right. fan, you know, like it, like when Love Gun was coming out, you hoped it would be a great album based on Rock and Roll Over or Alive or Destroyer or just the fact that it's Kiss. So you have hopes. And when you are hearing people say, especially I remember Paul saying that, it was going to be a cross between Hard Day's Night and Star Wars. Right. So it was like, oh, this is going to kick ass. Yeah, like this the is greatest sci-fi be... movie, the greatest rock and roll movie. Right. And, yeah. So Friday, it was like, everyone was like, all my Kiss friends were like, man, this is going to be awesome. And it came yeah. on the tail end of like a pretty amazing era, too, with the, the you know solo albums, Live 2, Double yep. Platinum, blah, 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 right? Yeah, it was, it was, they were unstoppable. James, how did you explain this movie to your friends when you introduced it to them? Um, well, I hadn't actually seen it before. The only thing I had seen when the, it was kind of like when you first, um, you know, learned of the movie, you couldn't figure out why it wasn't available. When I was introduced to the band, again in 98, through Extreme Close Up. So right. all I had was, you know, basically Gene paul slamming the movie you know and then you know two years later out came um or three years later pardon that uh, beyond the makeup or whatever that aired on vh1 right and again they slammed the hell out of the movie so all i'd ever heard was the band's own opinion of the movie so when i got my hands on it um basically what i said was Hey, listen, guys, you know how we like to watch those really, really crappy movies? Well, I've got one where Kiss are not rock stars, but they're superheroes. Wow. Should I? Am I buying the beer or are you? <laughs> and basically, that's how it went down, and that was the, the first time I saw it. And I actually rewatched it four or five days later, and, uh, you know. Sober. I, yeah, sober. And really was, at first, a little little embarrassed by it. I guess maybe I was still in a time in my own personal life or whatever where I felt the need for what I enjoyed, that being kissed, to be accepted by the people I know or even you know by other people. And I didn't want this quote-unquote horrible thing, people knowing about it. And then the next, I didn't watch it again until Kissology Volume 2 came out. And I watched Attack of the Phantoms. And I had more of a grip on the fact that, that, you know, Kiss Me Stephanum was part of what shaped Kiss into what I love. You know, without Kiss Me Stephanum, you know, who knows what would have happened after that. You know, right, right. You know the old butterfly effect idea from the movie, you know, if you change one thing in the past, everything's different. Without that movie, 
I don't know, Paul Stanley may have never came up, you know, or whoever he wrote it with was Tears Are Falling or something, you know. And that one movie was just as much part of Kiss as anything else. And since then, I have a, a mild enjoyment for it. It's not my favorite movie, but I like it for what it is. But I'll tell you what, going back to the thing about embarrassment, I mean, being 10, 14, whatever, you know, and you, and you see this movie for the first time, it's it, I could see how you'd say, like, wow, I can't believe how bad it is or whatever. But but one thing that, that I, I'll say is the the more I find out about rock and roll and the more I kind of, like, get into other bands and get into the sort of history of this genre of music, you know, there's... Uh, Thank God It's Friday with um, the Village People. There's Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band with uh, both which Aerosmith. Make, both which yeah. make Kiss Meet the Phantom look great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just one after another. Like, Magical Mystery Tour, uh, The Monkees, and Head. Like, all these movies are just, like, you know, wonderful, pathetic attempts at, uh, you know, straddling the fence between... Uh, rock star and actor and the only band that really did it and did it right i think were the beatles but even with them it was hit or miss and i think that was probably one of the reasons why kiss must have done a movie in the first place i'm sure that somewhere in the back of someone's mind probably gene there was a little voice saying the beatles did a movie i would agree with that but i believe that O'Coin had them signed up before they even could really 100 percent sign off on it well, I have some interview stuff with Gene around that time. We'll, we'll try to listen to it if I can squeeze it into the show. But, um, I mean, there's tons of, of stuff, you know, going on all through the years. I mean, and this still happens where people talk about how Gene is constantly, like, plotting, scheming, talking about things that he can't talk about. But, uh, you know, this came to fruition. It's, again, one of my favorite movies. And we had an awesome guest on this show. Uh, Ken, you and I were lucky enough to spend... Uh, an hour talking to someone who could not have been cooler. The lovely Lisa Jane Persky, Dirty right. D, from Kiss Meets the Phantom. For those who are familiar or unfamiliar with the movie, Dirty D is one of the three punk metal kids who visit the park and then get turned into robots by Abner Devereaux. We never quite find out what happens to them at the end, but they, uh, in, in Devereaux's words, they go from misfits to his own historical inspiration and uh lisa jane persky is the actress who plays dirty d she's been in a ton of good movies uh most notably if if anyone uh is familiar with the movie the sure thing from the 80s it had john cusack in it and it had Mm -hmm. a very young tim robbins there's a scene where uh john cusack hitchhikes and uh gets picked up by um tim robbins and his wife she plays the wife very funny scene she's a great actress she's a really good sport anyway she's got a great great t-shirt that she's selling on her website and we're going to put links on our website anyone who is a kiss fan anyone who is remotely interested in this movie that she was in with kiss anyone who is a pop culture glutton junkie anyone who is a fan of kitsch and camp or anyone who wants to have something very cool to wear to a kiss concert or a kiss expo or anything this is the t-shirt it this does is not it. get it is it this is it does not get hipper it does not get more kind of obscure reference than this it's just a fantastic shirt comes in black various sizes do not miss out buy this t-shirt we will have the link on our website she's launching it through podcast so we're very pleased to do that and without further ado we are pleased to bring you this interview with the great lisa jane persky give this a listen lisa welcome to the podcast hi everybody i'm so glad to be part of your show glad to have you I want to say something up front. Yes. Am I the only guy that had a crush 
on this woman. No. Gary, how about you? Absolutely. True confession time. Oh, Absolutely. you guys, you're, you're so nice. I mean, I just, I, I think you are. You, you may be uh, the only guys, because I never, well, I mean, I don't have a lot of KISS fans in my life, so I don't really know, but that's Well, nice. wait until after this broadcast. You're probably, really we should never it. done it. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be following you around. Um, I think they might be disappointed, though, because I've grown up a little bit. Uh, so haven't we? We used yeah, to I'm be. I'm not the younger woman I used to be. Yeah, well, we used to be 12 and 15, so... and I'm not the younger woman I used to be either, so... <laughs> but he's working on that. <laughs> so there's this movie, you know, and uh, it's a movie that we all grew up with. Yeah, did you know I was in that movie? It's weird that we're talking now, because I actually am in that movie. I know the movie you're talking about. It's <laughs> called Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, right? That's right. It, yeah, 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 yeah. I know the movie. Yeah, I'm actually in it. How do you get involved <laughs> with a movie like Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park? Can you, for our yeah. listeners and for us, walk us through what gets someone involved in a movie like that? Okay, well, I'm, you know, I don't, there's probably whole huge parts of this that I don't even know, They, you know, that have to do with mysterious workings of the universe, but um, we'll stay away from that because that's not my area. If we had Abner around, maybe he could he could explain that but right. um basically uh i had just come to la and i had an agent here um and actually divine i don't know if you know divine oh yeah from pink flamingo's fame divine actually, was your agent divine got me my first agent wow. oh my god yes and um and my agent submitted me for when i first came out to la for a couple of parts um i and this was the second one that i got and wow. um, I uh, I was really really stoked, not because of Kiss, because <laughs> I wasn't a, I didn't really know that much about Kiss, but because Gordon Hessler was directing it, and I was just a huge fan of those Sinbad movies. Oh right, you know, Golden Voyage of Sinbad, and so on. And you know he had he had worked with Ray Harryhausen, who did all that incredible animation of of the weird animals and. Um, and, I think you know, that my, fighting that skeleton is one of the coolest things still in movie history. <laughs> yeah, that is a great skeleton. And it's you um, know the you know, the, the Harryhausen skeleton. I forget if it's from Seventh Voyage, but you know yeah, the one I'm talking about. I think it is Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. Right. And then um and then Mighty Joe Young too. Oh, um, absolutely. Harry, Harryhausen did. But anyway, so he had touched the hem of Harryhausen, you know, and he had directed this great movie, and so I was really really excited about it. Um, so I auditioned for it, and and I think I got it because I was wearing all that stuff that you see me wear in the movie. So so you that was pretty much your actual clothes. Yeah, I don't think that I I don't know if I turned in a good audition or not. I mean, the more I've been out here, the more I think it has a lot to do with what you look like. Sometimes even more than what you do in the audition. So it that worked for Divine, didn't it? It certainly did. And it worked for Kiss. Yeah. <laughs> it, it worked beautifully for those guys. Yeah. And, and it's still working for them. Yeah. So so basically, you you know, you come upon this part and you're, you know, when, when they told you that it was Kiss, what was your reaction? I was like, oh, my God, this, this, is, uh, this is so funny because I was like proto-punk. You know, I I, I, I can started see it. my 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 life at my young life at CBGBs. 
So before there even was punk, there was, you know, the new wave thing. And Gary Valentine from Blondie was my boyfriend at the oh, time. Oh, wow. Excellent. And so, and so I was just so not into that music. Right. You know? And so, you know, we thought it was really a hoot. That, and, and we had seen, you know, we had seen those guys around New York because, um, you know, they came in and played in the city every once in a while. But, you know, they were basically what we thought of in our snooty little Greenwich Village ways of as, you know, uh, an act from the Burbs. Ah. This is you, this is very interesting. Yeah, and if you could talk more about this, this is super interesting for everyone who's listening who's a KISS fan, but also I'm a I'm a native New Yorker. That's sort of hometown talk for me, and so I can kind of see what you're talking about. They were like a, the Queens Long Island band. Right, and when and when, you know what what the, was called like the bridge and tunnel crowd, right? Right. And and especially in the seventies, you know, if you lived in Queens you might as well be, you know, in Indiana in the suburbs. <laughs> I mean, when I went to high school at um, High School of Art and Design uh, on 57th and 2nd, right. and um, you know, when I went to high school, it was the first time I was I was really in contact with people from other boroughs. Right. And um, and the first thing that people from Queens and Brooklyn asked me was, you know, when they found out I lived in Greenwich Village, was did I live alone? <laughs> so, right. so we had we so on both sides there were odd, you know, conceptual. There was odd conceptualizing of what the other's life was like. And I, now, how much of that was like, you know, trying to gauge your lifestyle versus trying to also scam a place to sleep? <laughs> That's a good one. I actually did. Yeah, there were a few slummers. Right. Definitely. Cool. But yeah, so so I mean, when I so when I finally met. Uh, Gene, who was actually the only person I met when working on the film. I met him at the wardrobe fitting. Oddly enough, I had one, even though I ended up wearing exactly the same clothes (laughs) I wore at the audition. But, um, you know, I said, you know, he sat down on a bench near me, and he he didn't seem too interested in talking, but I said, you know, I, I remember when you guys used to play Kenny's Castaways, and he said, eh, we never played Kenny's Castaways. And wow. That was, that was the full extent of my conversation with Dean. I mean, you know, it was total buzzkill. I, I went the wrong place with him in, that convers- <laughs> well, in my short conversation. And well, let, let me was- say, I've, I've played Kenny's Castaways, and, and afterwards I wanted to tell everyone that I didn't. So <laughs> <laughs> I can kind of understand that. That place is, that place is kind of a, well, it's Kenny's yeah, Castaways. Yeah, no, I totally get it, too. It was, I mean, I'm sure... <laughs> Coming from me, too, it probably sounded like it's a horrible insult. Well, God bless Gene Simmons, but he's, I think he still holds a little bit of a grudge against, like, the, you know, the, like, the critics and the talking heads and the Ramones and all that stuff. The, the Bratz, the New York Dolls, all that stuff. You know what right. I love about him, though, is I love that he just seems to have no real sense of humor. <laughs> I mean, he probably has a great sense of humor, but he, like, you know, the the Tomorrow Show, right? Oh, yes. You know, what was going on there? (laughs) Ace was going on. (laughs) He never gets to finish a sentence. I honestly think that that night, Gene was looking at his career ending. I mean, that's the way I think he thought it was going down. What was happening then? I I don't even know. Well, Ace was schnockered and... uh, 
basically that it was it, it was kind of like four guys in one boat, but they were all paddling in different directions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Lisa, you probably have more perspective on this than than we do in a sense because you, you know you you were in this movie with you know um, Frankenstein and roller coasters and 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 you know it was Hanna Barbera. And then that was what they were shooting for. And then, you know, a couple months later, they're on Tom Snyder with a drunk guitarist. Right. It really wasn't funny. It, there was nothing. There was nothing. Yes. I mean, look, I still laugh when things aren't funny. But really, there wasn't anything to be laughing about at that time. Right. It was really tense. The whole, you know, I guess it's sort of a known fact that nobody was talking to each other, right? Yeah. During During the movie. So... So, um, and you can just totally see it in the movie because no one in the movie, no one really talks to each other. I mean, no one, even the the girlfriend and boyfriend, even them, you know, Melissa and Sam don't really, they don't really have conversation. No one really. And there's something about that script. It just, it just never came together. Well, everyone's becoming a robot. I mean, that's like kind of the subtext, right? You know? Right. But except for when kiss, you know, when they, when the, the fake kiss come out and they they're like zombies right <laughs> right they're just like they, when you first see them and what does melissa say something like uh oh no right <laughs> <laughs> and then they, then they walk up on stage and like you'd never know they were they really they pulled it together for the show didn't they well, right they were, they were a great band up there oh yeah I, I don't know if anyone's noticed but when they when they are Pulling up in like the, there's this Winnebago that there's that the zombies are supposed to come out of. Yeah, I saw the that. zombie kiss. There's like this Winnebago, and you don't see it pull up, but you've you've got you got the park manager talking to like Melissa or somebody, and and they kind of like go, well, where's Kiss? And all of a sudden you hear, and then that it's like the Winnebago. <laughs> they just pan over to the Winnebago like it's just parked. But it right. sounded like it crashed almost with the sound effect. And, right. and it's like there's no driver. I don't know if the zombie robots right. Right. drove like, the thing or – but they just get out. There's so many great things like that. You know, like I love that the red box that the talismans are in. Oh, yeah. You know, it's one of my favorite props in the whole universe. I saw it the other night on Big Brother. They what? Keep- Yes, because I swear, I mean, maybe it's not the same box, but it looks, you know, they have this red box that they keep the the veto power in, you know, the veto power necklace. Oh, wow. It just made me laugh because it looked exactly like the the red box holder. When he says, when, is it Paul that says, you know, leave it to me, Star Child? No, who says? Ace. Yeah, Ace. Oh, yeah, Ace says, you know, leave it to me, Star Child. I'll bend these beams with my mind. (laughs) And then you can see that the box is hanging on the strings. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it it really is. It's so great. There's no movie like it. And, you know, I've, I've looked high and low for anything that comes close to it. I rented, uh, what is it, Head, the Monkeys movie. Oh, yeah, that's good, too, though. It's great, but it's that's not... That's really it's a great n- movie. It's not Kiss Me's the Phantom. The only no. thing that comes close to it is the Star Wars holiday special <laughs> with, <laughs> B, you know, with B. Arthur. Oh, God, B. Arthur, don't get me started. Uh-oh. Don't, don't get me started. Uh-oh. Did you bring her up on purpose? No. Oh. Good morning, everybody. 
Oh, it's Dorothy. Wow. Is there some history? <laughs> yes, I played her daughter on uh, Golden Girls. No way. Yeah, but once. Wow. And, oh my God. And her so, daughter actually appears twice. Now I but, have to get the Golden yeah, Girls box but, set. Know, she would come to work and then like, and you know, I gotta say, for having had as long a career as I had or have had or am having, I don't know which of those is true, <laughs> but um, but I've had very few bad or unpleasant experiences, but um, there there have been a few, and that was really kind of one. I mean, it's not totally bad because it was kind of fun to work on that, and she, I think she she was a great pro, and I always loved her work. But she wasn't friendly. Not friendly. Uh, wow. Anyway, um, so, so she would come into work and she would say that. Good morning, everybody. Like that really big, okay? And never speak wow. to anybody the rest of the day. Now, now, did the Golden Girls talk to each other or were they in the same situation as Kiss? <laughs> no. Well, actually, I was just going to go there. But, you know, I think eventually they might have been. I don't know. But they seemed friendly. Everyone seemed friendly except for B. Was Betty White as cool as she seems? Totally cool. You just okay, want her to, to please live forever. I mean, yeah. this is great. And she's do, still doing solid work. She, she was on I Family Guy. She was on uh, Boston Legal. She was on um, uh, Earl. My name is Earl. Yeah, and she's nice. in that movie with Sandra Bullock. But I don't oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. right. With, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, him. you mentioned you mentioned that there had been very few really like negative experiences. Yes, was you know if you had to sort of say one way or the other, Phantom of the Park, positive or negative? Oh, it was great. I loved it. It was so much yeah. fun. The only okay. like the, the worst thing about it, honestly, of course, is that you know it's not it's kind of scary for people to be on a set where nobody's getting along because everybody everybody's sort of waiting for the other sh- shoe to drop. Right. So. You know that's uncomfortable, but in 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 my case, you know the the responsibility. I didn't have a lot of responsibility on that movie. Well, so. you you know you mentioned that you only met Gene. Were you on set with the four of them at any point? No, I mean we shot all of our stuff separate, and it was all worked out that way basically. And you can sort of see in the movie if you watch yeah. the movie that they didn't want to be around anybody else. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. Um, you know. Well, I don't know what was what you know. I don't know the depth of it, but yeah. So so we were just sort of left to our own devices, and we we had a really good time. Now, and I you, think it's a, I think it's a great thing to be a part of. Now, did you have any uh, family or friends that were really into Kiss, and when they found out that this was going on, did they like freak out? No, isn't that sad? Really? Because like, I'm going to tell you, if you were like my cousin, I'd be like, get everybody's autograph. Yeah, you no. Know? It's, was sad. I know. I really wish that I, I, I wish that I had. On the other hand, imagine how happy I am now to have only in the last few years realized that people really think it's just a great, you know, they, that they think of it the same way I do, which is, you know, it's really funny and it's really fun to watch and it's just, you know, a, a weird relic. See, now, that's cool. Now, for so many years, uh, it was out of print. Band, with a great band. Oh, definitely a great yeah. band. Um, for for so many years, it was out of print, and it was very hard to come by. Yeah. 
I mean, you had to be a big uh, kiss head, you know, to to try to to get it. You basically people were trading it back and forth with uh, videotape, or every once in a while, I think Good Times would put it out, and then they'd they just kind of disappear. They'd be there, and you could buy them for like a dollar ninety nine, and then they disappear. <laughs> right, which is why we've never seen a penny for it. Wow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but now it's uh, it's on. Uh, you know, Attack of the Phantom has been released on uh, Kissology Two. Uh, are do do people ever recognize you from it? No, really. They don't, but you know what? I know what I'm not. It's probably that, the jacket. Yeah, you're not the wearing jacket, the jacket with the pins. Wait, let's talk about the jacket because okay. I think <laughs> I might have been the only person. I was definitely the first. I, I had to have been the first person and the first woman. Um, to have worn a cock ring in prime time. Wow. On television. You know, and I'm not sure that I knew I liked you it. for a reason. I'm not sure that anyone's done it since. But it was, you wow. know, on the on the lapel of that jacket, on the on the um what do you, what do they call it? Epaulette. Right. So um Okay, everyone press pause and go run to your DVDs and look for the cock ring yeah. on these <laughs> jacket. Please. Wow. And just all hail the cock ring. All and, hail the um, cock ring. Which, which, that leather jacket, you know, was given to me. I grew up on Christopher Street in New York, which. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so so I got, you know, good uh, cast offs from the um, uh, people in the neighborhood. And that, that jacket was one of them. And, um, you know, some friend of mine said, "Oh, you should put this on. It looks so cool." See now, now I'm going to watch it and, and try to see if you're also wearing p- pearls. <laughs> I have diamonds. So, uh, Gary, have you ever noticed the cock ring? Let's be honest. I haven't noticed the cock ring. never ever not in either never. version. No, but there's well, a lot yeah. of there, there, there's a lot of stuff you 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 don't normally see on television in this movie. Like there's people giving the fingers in close up of. Uh, Scandal, uh, girls' nippleage, like kind of going through the the t-shirt as they're bouncing, and yeah, I noticed so, that too. Yeah, sometimes yeah. you're going like, how the hell did this get past you know the network sense and practices? Exactly. Yeah, I, well, I, I was watching know. the I was watching the uh, the celebrity roast of uh, oh gosh, uh, what's her face? Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers, right? Uh, on Comedy Central, you know, and my wife and I are sitting there, and we're like, holy shit, they could say anything on TV now. Yeah, they it's do, amazing. Yeah, Gary, you need to put a quarter in the in the uh, podcast swear jar. Oh, I'm Uh-oh. sorry. You well, s- well. you stupid bastard. <laughs> there you go. You're even. That's really I think nice. we've I think we officially you know, that's uh, a sign and, of a great host. Yeah. <laughs> well, anytime you're talking about jackets and cock rings, you, you know. Well, 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 wait. Let's talk about something else that's really weird. Is how many furries are in that movie? How many oh my furries? God! Yeah, the people are right. roaming around the park like uh, <laughs> furries what, everywhere. What are they called? Uh, Freddy the Fox and yeah, Oliver and the Walrus or whatever. Oliver the Wal- there's so many. There's there's so many scenes, but the weirdest one of all is when it's kind of like maybe the first scene between Abner and Calvin, and they're walking around uh, this little like platform, and on the platform. They're like doing sexual positions, now, right? There are these two furries, like with a one with a bat and one with a, a wiffle ball. 
You know, have you noticed that? I feel I have dirty no, now. What the, and t- there are all these, there's a crowd gathered around to watch, but. Well, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, I'm not sure. I think I might turn away, actually. It's, it's scary to think about what might be going on there. But, but anyway, it is, it's weird. They, they purposefully walk around this thing and, for no reason, really. You know, Lisa, one thing we often talk about among the KISS Army yes. is how KISS started out as kind of like a dangerous S&M, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, East Village band. And that they became, by the time Phantom of the Park came out, they were like family entertainment. But, you know, after talking to you about this movie, I'm starting to question that this this might be the biggest, like, fetish-ridden, uh, you know, sex flick. 70s uh, exploitation film. Oh, yeah. No, I guess if you started listing, if you started to make the list, and maybe we should here. You know, you you could really come up with some stuff. I got, actually, I have to ask you a question about a line that you say in the movie that, for years, I thought was way way risque for 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 TV. Do you know what line I'm talking about? <laughs> no, what line are you talking about? Okay, maybe I'm mishearing this line, but you say, "Knock it off." Just remember who you come with, Chopper. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I do say that. Right, and I, you know, and and not not who you came with or I who. I totally forgot that. Yeah, yeah it no, wasn't like you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this is one of the reasons why the voice that I chose for the character was, you know, based on Yaki Doodle. Oh, my God. Do you remember Yaki Doodle? Yeah, I do. Okay, because, you know, loosely based, yes, okay, but still, nevertheless, I just thought, you know, Yaki Doodle had, you know, some play with somebody named Chopper. Do you remember Chopper the dog? Yeah. Oh, wow. It's all making sense. If it's Hanna-Barbera and you're covering up things like that, you might as well do it with a cartoon voice. Right. Wow. Very cool. But, yeah, and then I I have another line. There's other things that see that stick out more for me. One is, enough is enough. Right. Yeah. Enough's enough. Right, right, right. Does anybody say that anymore? I I guess... in Staten Island, they do. I'll tell you favorite moments of mine, okay? I love when Calvin takes Abner out to the parking lot to tell him he's going to let him go. It's high drama. Yeah, no, but why does he take him to the parking lot? And then, like, he's going to put him in a car there? I'm going to have to let you go. Retire right. and, you. And they're sitting in front of the KISS stage. It's almost like, like, let me, you know, underscore this and rub it in a little bit. You're being replaced by a rock band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, introducing your wife to your next girlfriend. <laughs> it's so great. And then he says the perfect thing, right? And, you know, he says, like, let me tell you something. I've been under enormous pressure for 20 years inventing <laughs> things that, that what, what, made, have made you, that a millionaire. made you a millionaire. Right? And, th- yeah, and I, whenever he- I hear that, I think... Oh, that's the screenwriter talking to the producer. Wow. That's so typical, right? See, I'll tell you something. um, We are all going to watch this movie very differently now. No. Yeah, no, that's very cool. This is more, I mean, you got to figure this is more insight into into this movie that we've seen hundreds of times than this is more. Wait, well, I'm interrupting you, but I'm just so excited about it all. Go ahead. I, I mean, I get excited about it. Then, you know, Calvin, he gets off the little golf cart thing, and he follows Abner, 
you know, and stands next to him and, and what does he, he tells him he should vacation, right? Right. And then Abner, like, has this little swoon that he does. He suddenly has dropsy. Right. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. He just, he, and it's, it's like something I've only seen chicks do. Wow. It's just wow. such a weird moment. And, and Calvin kind of, you know, look, I mean, it's starting to sound like fan fiction, right? But it's really, A little bit. It's definitely fanfic, yeah. But let's talk about um, Sam and his uh, photographs. Sam and his photographs. Is this, is this, what are you seeing here? You know, you know, I'm sort of a photographer now. And so we, you know, when you see the movie, you don't see, this is so in the past. I realize this now, but you don't see anybody taking photos of the band except for one lady who's like 60. Right. There's a close-up of one lady taking shots of Kiss in the front, right? But like now, you'd have every single person in the you know in the whole audience with their cell phone taking pictures, and so it's hard to even remember a time when hardly anybody carried, you know, had a camera or carried a camera. Well, people then, aren't using lighters at concerts anymore. It's 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 cell phones. Yeah. Right. Yep. Right. But um. But wait. So wait. I don't want to lose my um train of thought here. Go Where for it. We? Um, Furries and cockroaches. Oh yeah, no, no. Let's get back to that. Sam, Sam's photographer. Yeah, Sam's photography. That too. But I want to go back to that. I have a grasshopper mind. I'm sorry. And oh, that's I cool. I know you guys can keep up with it. Um, there you go. But but here he swoons, and then then Calvin like kind of bends down to pick him up, and and he he recovers, and then he says to Calvin. You will regret this day. (laughs) 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 Like, like, suddenly he has, he talks like Marlena Dietrich. (laughs) Right? Doesn't he say, this day? Yes, he does. And they don't even bother to fix that later. Is this the first time anyone has made a a, um, a Phantom of the Park Marlena Dietrich connection? I believe so. You know, and we like to have podcast exclusives. This is really a first in history, I think. Did you almost feel sorry for Anthony Serby? Because um, he had a bit of a career, you know. He he was really something there for a while. And here he is he, in this movie that with Freddy the Fox and Chopper and everything. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I really, you know, I didn't realize, I, di- I don't think I realized, I was really a kid. I mean, I hadn't done much of anything. I don't think, I realized that he was huge, okay, but I didn't realize that this was sort of, this was bad for him, you know. I mean, he did such a good job, too, that it, I don't, it just didn't occur to me. Right. Well, he was he, great. And yeah, and he has such dignity. Have you watched Phantom of the Park with the commentary track on no. Kissology? I, di- I didn't know there was a commentary track. Well, yeah. there's a commentary track from uh, Melissa. M- Melissa. And also from the guy who plays um, the, the owner of the park, and I'm blanking on his name, Carmine. Um, Carmine Caridi. Right. And I'll tell yeah. you something. Both of them, especially Carmine Caridi, really are very f- full of like a lot of really flattering comments for the performances because it's a really well-acted film. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot no, I of really... Such, I thought Carmine is, is really... I mean, he's kind of the anchor of the whole thing. Yeah. 
He's but really everyone's good. really good, and and yeah, the sin- nice. the sincerity of the performances makes it a really enjoyable thing to watch. Um, you almost get the feeling that it was a one take kind of a thing, like like you might have said, "Well, wait, I didn't do that right." No, it's fine, it's fine. Am, am I right in my impression? Yeah, yeah, you're on that? pretty much right. You're pretty much right, unless it was for camera or I don't know. Part of that was because it was like a, it was 104 degrees. Oh wow! Oh yeah. You must have known that, but I mean, it it was so hot at that park, and um, they had to keep putting cold compresses on on me and the guys wow. because we were just I, I was especially overdressed for it. <laughs> now I would have I would have volunteered to do that job. <laughs> my my 15 year old self would have volunteered to do that job. Talk about swooning, but yeah, anyway, but, <laughs> there you go. So, um, but yeah, no, they're they're really. Uh, it just was very uncomfortable. It was wasn't comfortable in the um, in, in the little hole that I ended up in either when, oh, yeah. when I got into the Iron Maiden. By the way, was that like a you know subtle another S and M thing to uh, another band? Wow, maybe an up and coming band. Who who well, they who, were who, actually who, kind of established by then. Yeah, I think so. Well, well let's see, seventy eight. I think probably yeah. Yeah, they open. They opened for Kiss, and then Kiss later opened for them. So, seventy-five to seventy-nine, I think, was their like early period, right? Right. Were you Were you into any metal at all, or really more just the new wave and punk? Yeah, no, I, I, I not a, not a metal head. That's all good. That's but all fine. I, no, but I like lots of music, but and I like Lars. Oh, okay, the drummer for Metallica. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, have you, no, no one's ever recognized you or, or has ever, uh, sent you any, uh, letters or emails or anything? No. And so, so we're the first people to track you down then. No, actually, somebody, <laughs> somebody, somebody, uh, tried to get me to come and sign at a convention. Oh, that would have been cool. But I think then the convention didn't happen, so. Ah. Um, but, but really, you know, I didn't know until... Very recently, my husband and all of his friends—they like to watch. Um, they like to watch really. They like to watch people really embarrass themselves badly on film. Oh wow! And um, so they have incredible collections of of those kinds of things. <laughs> and <clears throat> until I really, until I met him, which is about seven years ago now. I didn't realize that people were doing this and were interested in a lot of things that, you know, at the time we thought, well, this just isn't going to make it and it's not very good and we're moving on. People, even if, even if we enjoyed it, enjoyed doing it or being in it. People love Kiss and people love this movie. And I mean, I, I predict that people are going to be really excited when they hear this interview. We we didn't tell anyone, uh, you know, that we we're going to interview you. And people are going to be really floored and, and I think very excited about this because this is a very special movie for a lot of people. Well, I'm very glad to hear that, and I'm very pleased um, that I was part of it. Now, do you find the relentless slapping of the knave slave distracting? <laughs> I mean, there's like definitely like kind of white slave on slave action. So when they when they called cut, did it continue? 
Well, they all kept so. Oh yeah, I mean for days. <laughs> slap, 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 slap. <laughs> Am I right? I mean, it's it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it is kind of bizarre. And then they show it again, like they they show it in two parts of the movie, but you know they show it they show the exact cut from one part of the movie. They show it later again. Now, have you seen Attack of the Phantoms? The that cut. I yeah, don't that's know. The, that's the one. Do you have the kissology? It's all the same. That's the kissology one. Yeah, but I yeah. didn't know there was a. It's a completely uh, different cut. <clears throat> There's two total different versions of this movie. Yeah, but I'm sure that the slapping is. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, the slapping's in both. You, yeah, yeah, but you know, you couldn't do the movie without the slap. No, but what makes, but see, what makes the original TV version so much better is that you get all that porno music in it. Oh yeah, well yeah, and then wait a second. There's some mo- part of the movie where there, there's actually like some religious kind of music. It's a very short part, but you remember where that is? We're gonna have to listen for that. Wow, it's very weird. Religious kind. Of, well, there's. Is it? Oh, I know. It's when it's when um, the killer gene comes out, the killer demon. Right. Oh, right? oh, oh! I know what you're talking and he about. Crashes See, the hot dog stand. That music is actually from Gene's solo album. Oh, it is? Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah, that's Wait. the intro to his solo record, a fine album, I might add. From what but, year? But uh, that's, that's the music. 1978. Yeah. From 78. Oh. Yeah. Well, if you, is, yeah. That's I'm actually Janice Ian uh, singing the Hosanna parts. Oh, my gosh. I'm learning so much from you guys. I love, <laughs> I love knowing this. Okay, Janice Ian. I can't even believe it. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh, that you record's... Guys are, you, you guys are so cool. Oh, well, well, thank geez. you very much. Right back at you. Please say that again so we make sure we get this one on tape. Microphone on. You guys are so cool. Oh, I can die now. <laughs> there you go. You are. <laughs> um, so, uh, I had to tell you about the the, um, the prairie attire when I was putting it on. Oh, God. Tell us, I didn't, tell us I was slowly. <laughs> yeah, yes, tell us slowly. <laughs> I was really embarrassed because it really was so, you know, Square. Yeah. But now, now I kind of love it. It's it's its own thing. Yeah. And Chopper but, and Slime cleaned up very nicely. They had their musket and. Uh, I was very envious of the musket. Yeah. Well, what, what did you have? Like did it? you have a drum or a fife? No, or something? I just had a sh- I had a shawl and a hood. Yeah, that oh, was that's it. Right. Like that's some right. weird prairie hat. That's right. And what I mean, what? So what? Do we know what happens to to D? Um, do we know, do we know what happens to Abner? That's really much more interesting. Right. Nobody knows what the hell happens at the what end of that movie. That? <laughs> Come on, you guys, you've been I, okay, working I, at this for so long. I actually have a theory that, uh, Abner was a robot part of the film and a human part of the film. Mm. See, we, I, this is, I this, smell a sequel. That's way more. That's way more complex than than my theory. Okay, so what's when, your theory? Well, it's sort of similar, but like it's, you know, perhaps he was created by like an Uber Abner. There you and go. Was, uh-huh. And then he was just simply terminated. And so somewhere running around is an Uber Abner, or that's the Uber Abner that we see. And this has always been really curious to me too. The guy who, there's a guy, is this, 
I'm not sure. Maybe this is just in one cut. Isn't um, see the whole thing is just totally weird when you know she's imploring, begging Abner to please you know release Sam from his trance or whatever, and 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 he's actually sitting dead in a chair. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. It's kind of um, bizarre. And then and then um, Carmen Caridi says something about um, you know he was a great guy once or something. Yeah, true genius. Yeah, a true genius. Yeah. And and then then they cut to Abner walking by the roller coaster. Yep. Yes. Right. Yes. See, that's why I think there's a robot Abner and a real Abner. Okay, and then how did he age like? <laughs> well, I think what happened is Anthony Zerby actually saw the last page of the script and his final paycheck, and that's what happened. <laughs> he just went white, and he got he became ashen. Wow. <laughs> That's good. I like it. Or perhaps so, that was him without makeup. <laughs> no, he was see, such this, a handsome. He was so handsome. Now I'm getting That's jealous. But see, this be, this begs the question, though. So, like, you know, the Uber Abner walks away. You know, the robot is dead. When they make the sequel, will you be in it? Um, as what? Dirty D. As D. Yeah, you mean that, like... So, well, it depends on who's writing it, doesn't it? I mean, I think... Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to talk to I would really like to meet up with the boys again. I'm going to try to talk to Adam Rifkin. He he actually produced Detroit Rock City, another KISS film. And one of the questions I'm going to ask him is, have you ever thought about doing a sequel to KISS Meets the Phantom? And I'll mention that you want to be part of the project. (laughs) I want my, my original crew. Oh, okay. And the, the jacket. OC. And the cock ring. Well, yeah, but I mean, I don't, you know, somebody asked me, do I still have the jacket? And I really need to look for it because I'm not sure if I do or not. You could Did you take any that pro- puppy off on eBay. Oh, God. I'm not sure. Forget about it. Have. That would fetch some dough. But you know what? It, it was really moldering away. That's why I'm not sure if I still have it because it was actually the leather was just flaking off. It was so beat up. Oh, which is man. what made it really good, you know. It doesn't matter. You can auction off Gene Simmons' eye junk, and people <laughs> will pay top dollar for it. This is this is a true story. Uh, okay. Up in Windsor, Ontario, you know how uh, I've been I, there. I, I'm sure you've seen clips of Kiss in concert if you haven't actually been yes. but anyway at one point Gene does a song and he flies up to the roof and spits blood right mm-hmm. well he does this little interaction with the crowd where he goes oh yeah and the crowd goes oh yeah and back and forth kind of thing anyway at one point all this blood had like built up in his you know schmilkes in his joint, and uh, so he, he reaches for this towel and goes Whack! into the towel hawks right into the towel he drops it in the audience, and he says, "You can sell that on eBay." So, <laughs> wow! And we bought it for, and we, and, yeah, and we bought it for podcasts. I'm actually bidding on it right now. Oh, You're God. kidding? No, it is. Are a you joke. kidding? Yeah, it's a joke. Oh no! But I can't you tell you. Are, you guys, you guys must have some relics. I well, I can tell you. Uh, are you ready for a true story? Yeah. I mean, that one wasn't true. Well, yeah, but, but I, 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 okay, I love my mother, but there are times when... She's glad to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> but I saw Kiss on the Dynasty Tour, 
and, and I was wearing a gray sweatshirt and I got Gene Simmons blood on it. I came home and I put that thing on the back of my chair and I was never going to wash it. Right. I came home from school. Oh, no. Oh, no. Washed. Mm. Thanks. But did you save the washing machine? That's a real, tra- that's an actual tragedy. Tell me about it. Right. Those kind of things happen at home, in the home all the time. Right. Now, now did, you, did you see the KISS concert at uh, Magic Mountain? No. Oh, man. I don't think we were even invited to it, actually. Son of a gun. They probably would have yeah. charged you to see it, Gary. <laughs> right. How much was it anyway? No, it, it, actually, it was free. Yeah, yeah, let's get back to the sex. Okay, what was going on? What was the triangle between you and Chopper and Slime? Okay, well, first of all, <laughs> you might have noticed that, and you might think it's strange, we were all three main people. So we were we kind were- of like in, in our own movie, which was kind of like, the dawning of the three name people. Oh wow! Wait a minute. The three name John. John Lisbon Wood. Oh yeah. And John Dennis Johnston. A lot okay. of dying. And Lisa Jane Persky. And I think you know there there were only Sarah Jessica Parker and Jennifer Jason Lee and us at that time. Yeah, because it was going to be a while before Mary Stuart Masterson. <laughs> I, I understand that you guys influenced Hillary Rodham Clinton. So. There we go. Wow. Yep, very important in the history nice. of the, the universe. So your work in Phantom was not in vain, but not it was in all. California. So I would say. Wow. So no, so, no love so, triangle. Um. Basically, who 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 was D getting it on with? Chopper sorry. or Slimes? Nobody's talking. So you know, Adner gives Sam a camera, and um, I was. Not that impressed with the pictures, but I was really impressed by Sam's darkroom ability. Ah, true. true. I mean, that was really mysterious. That that was a gift he had. Yeah, that's a lot. But that's a pretty big laboratory, though. You got to figure there's probably a lot of good stuff down there. I mean, if 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 Abner can afford the desk, and this was light years, you know, before its time, he had the spinning desk. That would face oh, all yeah, directions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I figure the guy's got to have a photo lab somewhere. Right, but to know how to use it, now that's something else. Well, perhaps it came with the robot training. That's true, like a plug-in? Yeah, exactly. There's there's an app for that. <laughs> it's, what you, it's what you do in between making uh, a robot uh, barbershop quartet. <laughs> so it really does go back and forth between, like, you know, old school and high tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, Fake and, and real. Yeah. Yeah, the barbershop quartet. Oh, God. Now real tell, high point. Tell that us about these point. awesome T-shirts, Dee. Oh. Well, let's see. I decided to just make a D-shirt. You know, it's unofficial merchandise. No, it's official D-merchandise. D merchandise. Right. It's official me merchandise. There you so go. My friend Rick Vondell, who's a very talented artist, and I came up with the concept for the thing which is actually has the lightning bolt which from my jacket which is a kiss lightning bolt but that's the only thing that wasn't on my uh jacket before they asked me could they put the lightning bolt this shirt kicks ass because i'm looking at it right now we have these shirts thank you so much for sending them to us you're so welcome and everybody who's listening 
buy one. I love and, that you have this, that you actually have the shirt and like you can feel it and everything. Have you put it on? It's awesome. It, it's like no other shirt. I bet it looks good on you. It's I almost it, like I'm touching you, D. You guys have to send me pictures of yourself. Oh, we will. <laughs> <laughs> and and tell everyone else to send me pictures of themselves in the shirt too. Um, Definitely. You, you, the shirt people, you heard a, it. You heard it here first. Dirty D yeah. from Phantom of the Park wants pictures of you in her shirt. You have to buy this shirt. <laughs> and the shirt just went went up for sale today in honor of Podkiss. Excellent. For you guys. So, um, so you, you know, to buy it now on eBay. And I Excellent. think if you just um, if you search "Dirty D T shirt," you will find it. Very wow. cool. Or now, "Dirty D Lisa Jane Persky," you will find it. Is there a website? Do you have a website we can go and to? And I have a yes, I do. I, and I'm on Twitter. If anybody wants to follow me or be followed by me, please let, let me know. And, Hell yeah. Um, and uh, that just you know, Lisa Jane Persky, one word, on Twitter. Well, thank you so much. You have no idea how much this means to us. Every moment of history is special to KISS fans, and you were really an important part of that, so thank you very much. Yeah, all kidding aside, I I want you to know that uh, you were part of uh, my adolescence, and uh, it was a great time, and uh, thank you. That's very important to me. Thank you very much. Well, you're so welcome. I'm I'm just very flattered and honored, and... uh, I think someone's zapping my talisman right now. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Um, where, can, where can people see your photographs? Oh, um, on lisajanepersky.photo.com. So let me ask you a question. If somebody who was in charge of the Kiss Expos, let's say they got together a print of the film, and they like maybe got uh, Melissa or uh, the manager of the park and you and a few people, would you be interested in doing like a roundtable discussion and a signing? Oh, I think it would be a, it would be a blast. That's awesome. fantastic. Okay. Consider it done. <laughs> You're very, very kind, and it's been really fun. <laughs> well, Thank you really so fun. much for being on our show. This has been a great, to, great, fun interview. I look forward to talking to you both again. Okay. Thank you so much. Take time, care of yourself. Be, be well. All right, and and I still have a crush on you, so there. Thank you. I have a crush on you now. now oh, wait my a God. You guys will have to tell me when this is going to be up. Yeah, we're we're going to send you a link and everything so that I can plug you guys. Oh, oh my God! You guys go make make what you will of that, and I'll All talk right. to you again soon. Thank you, you very much. Lisa, thank Thanks you so much. much. You rock too. We, we love Bye. you and Get God up. bless. All right. Bye. 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 